Juju here, Lanji here, Soy here, and, and we're, we're the co-hosts of the Her Revival podcast. We started this podcast while reflecting on the crazy journey of being a woman in her 20s, trying to conquer our careers, our finances, post-grad, and more. As we found some hardships putting it all together, we realized that things don't have to be so hard if we rely on each other. Her Revival is here to motivate, cultivate, and inspire women who are all looking to develop better relationships in all aspects of their lives. We're the sisters who can teach you all about it. Now let's get into the episode. And hey, welcome back, her revival family. We hope you are all excited for another episode. Oh, okay. Family, period. So we're so excited to have you guys back, as Juju just said. And just to give you guys a quick recap, last episode, we talked to you guys about managing your money based on the season. We specifically talked about summertime because we know y'all be out and about spending some coins. But we want you to know how to maintain your lifestyle and maintain your finances regardless of the circumstances that's facts Mm. and i know like our last two episodes have been somewhere along like the financial realm um and for this episode we're definitely going to stay on this money train but we're specifically going to talk about the black dollar and i know a lot of you have been seeing on social media the importance of the black dollar so i'm so excited to get into this topic with us today facts that's a big fact so what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna Talk a little bit about some interesting stats. Um, they actually come from 2019, so they're very recent statistics. So hear us out real quick, all right? So the first one, America's 100 richest people. Y'all ready? We ready. Are you sure? We ready. All right. America's <laughs> 100 richest people control more wealth than the entire Black population. Bruh. That's number what? Yes, that's numero uno. All right, number two. The five largest white land owners actually own more land than all black people combined. Oh, nah. that's crazy. Yes, that I'm is so crazy. On this, like, how do y'all feel about those stats? Honestly, hmm. Okay, so the first one, I believe it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I think it's like shocking to hear it put into like that framework, but I can see where that is true. Okay. Um, but I think for the second one about um, white landowners owning more land than all black people combined, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely crazy because even like a couple of friends of mine, we were discussing about buying land and like, you know, especially with COVID going on, how there's like a fall in the market and how like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm 23. I don't really have bread to be buying land. But at the same time, like having that conversation, like that's what it makes me think about because it's like a lot of black people don't own land, yep. quite frankly. Like we are, we most likely rent. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, I think 
part of me is always just a little bit shocked because like you said, like these statistics are from 2019. Yep. Um, and that's how, like, I, I don't even know how many years it's been since, you know, black people have been able to start creating their own wealth, have yep. been able to work within their own terms, have been able to do all of these things within the midst of our community now it is true that in the in the um, Jim Crow South, black people were still not allowed to create their own wealth as a result of different laws and things that were put into mm-hmm. place. Correct. To kind of um, just hinder that process, but at the same time, it's such a hard thing, like to to see as a reality. To fathom, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's a hard thing mm-hmm. to fathom because. If a hundred, the hundred richest white people control more wealth than the entire black population, that's literally 100 individuals. Like, I probably right. have more than <laughs> a 100 room with people, 100 people in my family. Yep. <laughs> like, literally. So I'm like, if my, like, think about it like that. If your family, if you have a really big family, if your family owned and had enough wealth that was more than the entire black population, which is millions of people. That is scary. And it's yep. also That's scary. It is. Because I'm sure those hundred people do not need that money to survive. Like they nobody don't. needs right. a, a billion dollars. Nobody needs that. Like you sure can, don't. You can't argue with me on that. Um That's fact. You know, yeah, no, go ahead, Toy. Like, I feel, I don't know if y'all have seen, um, there's this thing that has been circulating. It's a video um, about Central Park. Yes. And like Central Park Village. Village. And, and this is what this sort of the landowners um, statistic kind of makes me think back to that. So for our listeners who don't know, essentially Seneca Village was an area that's in modern day Central mm-hmm. Park where it was pretty much a middle-class to wealthy Black community where they were landowners and did own property and did have businesses. And it was a flourishing community. And these people just came and and tore it down to make Central Park. And I actually want to go off of that because... Oh, go ahead. I thought you was done. No, yeah, you go ahead, take it away. And um, and there's another person that I want everybody to do research on. His name is actually Robert Moses. So I have a friend from college who was studying urban planning, and I never knew about Seneca Village in particular, but I remember that he was mm-hmm. someone who was very involved in, like, you know, Afrocentric history and kind of thinking about how do we use urban planning to resolve a lot of our land and wealth building issues. And yeah. he mentioned that mm-hmm. there was this man who was like this evil mastermind um, urban planner of New York State, or you can say New York City in particular, who was indeed absorbing land and creating infrastructure that was taking away from Black people and people of color and creating his own idea of what Manhattan should look like and Central Park in particular. So So now all of that comes back in perspective where I'm like, okay, now I see how the history of Seneca Village fulfills what that conversation was about. So that's actually crazy because I actually think, I don't remember this person's name off the back we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and I'll probably do some research so we can tell our listeners who specifically. But I took... Um... Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and I um, took this um, 
sociology class at school and it was called urban cities I think and we were specifically talking about New York and how like these urban planners came and like when they wanted to build expressways and like the cross Bronx like the cross Bronx like displaced like over 5,000 people yep of color just to build yep. that and it was just like y'all, y'all gotta go figure out where to live because we just gonna break up all these little apartments and these tenements because we're gonna build infrastructure yeah and so it's, it's actually scary to think that like you know time and time and time again like we've been disrupted from actually achieving these these same very statistics that now like crazy to and us. to quickly put it in perspective this is the reason why when people say i don't i'm not political or i'm not politically involved everything really and truly is political and it's also associated mm-hmm. to your health because going back to what you were saying about the cross bronx area what people don't realize is that correct me if i'm wrong and i'll do more research on this later but that happens to be one of the most highly concentrated highway or warehouse areas in the bronx correct. and it took 100%. wealth away from us it took political abilities away from us. And what it did introduce, though, was a massive rise of asthmatic issues in the Black community. Because think about what's happening wow. in that area. A lot of trucks, pollution. cars, pollution, etc. So what people need to realize mm-hmm. is that when we're thinking about these, these wealth disparities, it's also tied to our socio-political or our socio and health-related disparities. So just kind of put that in yep. perspective. So when I saw those two stats, I actually wasn't shocked at all. I mean, I'm thinking a lot about how, like Langey had mentioned, like how long it took for us to even be able to build wealth. Like this is something that's recent for us. Like this is literally in the 1900s that we slightly even had the chance to even think we can obtain this. So there's a whole generation of people who have had the opportunity to continuously try to grasp some wealth, grasp this land, and fully are just fighting for basic rights. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we also have to look on ourselves as a community as Mm -hmm. well. At the time in which, you know, we were given, or I don't want to say given because, like, I feel like that's the wrong word to use. and And I can't think of the correct word. But at the time in which we were able to start building our own wealth, yep. like, you know, what did we do with it as mm-hmm. well? Like, what what are some of the habits that we didn't work on? And, you know, I was just reading an article, and it was just basically, like, talking about how Black people spend their money. And they literally quoted, they said, Black people, and too many Black people tend to worry about themselves and the money that they have now. And they said that that is crippling our community. So what are your thoughts on like this quote? And do you think there's a reason for the mindset in terms of just thinking about what we have now in terms of like not thinking about the future and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, I can actually go first on that. So I'm actually start with Mm -hmm. a little bit of storytelling. I'll make it back into my point. Right. So Harlem is the perfect example of what's a priority to us once we kind of have the ability to start creating wealth. So we noticed that, you know, during the rise of all the drugs that were being introduced into our communities in the late 90s and crippling our community, all of these houses became destructive, right? There were just like a whole bunch of like, what's it called again in Harlem? Um, Not townhouses. Help me out. Mm. Um, Brownstones, brownstones, right? So a whole bunch of brownstones were basically just there, vacant, people on drugs in the basements, no one's buying it. And then now we realize that a whole bunch of white people have come in into the neighborhood in Harlem, buy out those properties. And then that was kind of like, we're upset. It's like, 
you all are transforming the way Harlem is supposed to le- supposed to culturally fulfill us, right? So that's kind of like one of the things that you're talking about is like, what was the priority for people who may have had something back then? Like, why weren't people who are Black, who had a little bit of chicken, buying that type of real estate? And I think the mm-hmm. biggest issue is the media, right? Like, I think that we look to media to kind of tell us what success should look like, right? I mean, mm. one of my biggest issues, and I mean, I hate to be like this pessimistic person, but I don't feel like celebrities have to be your idol all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like it's like you see a singer, you see a rapper, and because that's who seems to be this glamorous figure to you, it's like, if I don't have what they have, I'm not successful. Even if your talent isn't music, dancing, or acting, yet you still feel like what that person has should determine your success. So I kind of feel like if we start transforming our mindset to start thinking about who are people in our local communities who are doing really bomb things to ensure that, you know, I'm actually achieving something, I feel like we'll have a different view of like what success really looks like. And I think if we start thinking about what we need to do long term for our family and not just for ourselves, I feel like we'll also have a different view of what success and building generational wealth can look like. So for me in particular, Mm -hmm. I come from an immigrant household. I didn't really grow up with a lot, right? And that may not be the case for every immigrant for in my situation, that was was the case. So for me, because I acknowledge a a certain struggle that I experienced, I know that it's not just about juju. For me, if I had to, I could live in a one-bedroom apartment forever and be happy with that. But I don't want that to be my kid's future and my kid's kid's future. So for me, it's a matter of saving money and thinking about how can I put this in other places within the next few years to ensure that my kids and my grandkids actually have something. So for that reason, I'm not buying red bottoms. I don't really care about the Louis Vuittons. And is it, do, do people need to be anti those things? No. And I think that Soy has a really good argument about that. But for mm-hmm. me, those are not things that I, as Jalisa Fontaine, care about. And anybody could check my closet and, you know, check me on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, I feel like before I give, like, my kind of thought on this, I wanted to, like, push back a little bit on, like, what Juju said um, in terms of, well, two things. Like, I feel like the first thing as far as, like, the music, I think that specifically within the Black community and also thinking about just even in New York, because that's that's where I'm well versed in. Yep. I think that music is a a big outlet for a lot of black people. Like for instance, me myself, like like you said, like you know my parents are immigrants and I feel like for me Bob Marley was a huge inspiration on my development. Like me mm-hmm. even like till this day and when I wake up in the morning before I'm heading to work, like I'm listening to Bob Marley on title like okay, like, this is going to help me through my day. Like, I wrote my college essay on Bob Marley and what his words Mm. actually meant to me and how that kind of transformed me as a person, like, for me to be able to keep pushing myself. So I think that even when people are listening to rapping, like, another person, and, you know, everybody's going to fight me for this, but another person that (laughs) I really resonate with is Kanye. And it's like, when I listen to his music, it moves me in a certain direction that a lot of other artists don't move me in. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I think that, it's hard to kind of say like don't don't follow these these people in the media and don't really like kind of like break yourself away from the things that they're rapping about i think that in many ways it's more so holding these artists accountable and not like you you don't always need to be rapping about 
getting money, selling drugs, and having all these girls, et cetera, et cetera, because this now, like, it all, it exacerbates what we think of, okay, if we have all this money, these are the things that we can have. Yep. Um, and I, so I think that that's problematic, but I think that it's hard for people not to look up to these artists because I think that music is a huge outlet for Black people specifically. Um, And then, like, the second thing, um, yeah, like, the luxury goods, I think that for me personally, like, I don't mind. Like, I do have a lot of luxury goods, um, but it's not that my life is essentially consumed by it like when I get paid it's not okay wait this new Gucci belt just came out I need to buy this new Gucci belt and I'm gonna sit here and eat cup soup for two weeks until my next paycheck because I just had to get this new Gucci belt right Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like I don't necessarily think that me as a person who's trying to build generational wealth that I have to completely abstain from these things because Quite yes. frankly, like, uh, although it is expensive, and I think that a lot of these brands sometimes are not culturally mm-hmm. sensitive and culturally relative, I do th- I do think that a lot of times their material and their stuff are worth the money. Like, compared to me mm-hmm. buying a bag from TJ Maxx, if I buy a bag from TJ Maxx, although it may be $20, $25, I know that I can't depend on this bag for more than a year two years max because it'll begin to fall apart whereas it's like if i have a higher end bag sometimes it those bags be lasting people like 10 10 12 15 years and it's true so i think that i i'm not necessarily anti-luxury because i do partake in it but i think that it's important to be able to differentiate that these luxury items do not equal success mm-hmm. yeah um and i think that's the main drive home point um but to sort of like answer your question, Langie, I think that um, in a way, because of the way that society sort of portrays uh, success and what it and what it means to actually be successful in this world, like when we look at people like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, we're not necessarily talking about their strategy um, and their kind of like ingenuity. We're talking about how much money they're worth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that alone speaks volumes when we're thinking about what does success mean to people um, and to this society. So I think if that's what society is giving off and us as black people now come, we're we're essentially at the bottom of the totem pole in society. So I think yep. that constantly, whether you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, whether you're looking at it from an education standpoint or a social standpoint, we're always trying to get that upper leg and have to work twice as hard as the average person just for us to be seen. And I think that in general, the black population wants to be seen and this money and, and wealth and luxury kind of like all ties into, into a way of them being seen and being heard in a way. Um, And so I think that the, like them spending the money that they have now and like worrying about themselves. I think that one is an education issue and not really knowing about safety nets and how to, that, you know, it's up to you to kind of create what you leave for the next generation that comes after you or for your kids. Um, and more so 
oh, dang, okay, I'm going to buy this Gucci belt because when I walk outside, this person is going to see me with a Gucci belt and know that I have money. But I think that a lot of times it, it creates this false perception and it's just like, that actually is not wealth. I want to see, although you can't see it, I'm trying to see what my stocks is looking like on Robinhood. I'm trying to, I'm trying to mm-hmm. see like, okay, when my mom decides to retire and move back to the islands, like, can I, can I now own this house? Like this house That's that I right. grew up in, like, yeah. or am I going to sell it? No, I don't want to sell it. I want to keep it quite frankly. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now what are the moves that I need to make to ensure that when she does retire, I can, I can actually maintain the house and, and pay property taxes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that a lot of people just don't have that mindset. It's like yeah. something that they're not necessarily thinking about. It's like, how can I be seen now? And how can I get this quick money now? Yep. Yeah. Something I just want to like say really quickly is honestly, I feel like the reason, you know, for that mindset, it really does go into like just the whole social aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Like you want people to be able to visibly tell that you have money but not even only that I really do feel like there's a level of confidence that black people have that's attached to what they are wearing how they look like appearance I think is something that is so important in the black community absolutely and I'm not even talking about only luxury items just looking good let's really talk like let's talk about hair for example Mm -hmm. I know women who will spend bands on a single wig literally one wig and this is not to knock anybody who buys thousand dollar wigs because I personally can say if I had the money to do it I probably would do it too I'm not even gonna lie to (laughs) y'all But it's just a matter of knowing and understanding, like, you don't, no one needs any of these things for validation that you have money, you have some sort of social status. I think that obviously, if you have the capability to buy those things, to also simultaneously save, to also be creating college funds, to have a 401k to have realty properties or whatever the case may be to be making investments then so be it but if you're making a decision between if i'm gonna buy a thousand dollar wig or if i'm gonna spend five hundred dollars on makeup i'm gonna spend um two thousand dollars on hair products i know so many people who are like junkies in the sense of they're buying so much stuff when it comes to beauty and skincare and mm-hmm. hair care, nail care. Like, it's so much stuff being put into things that, at the end of the day, don't really matter. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because at the end of the day, like, when we talk about things such as generational wealth, how can I create wealth for the next generation if I don't even have a net worth for my own? Hello. Yep. Like, literally, I don't even have a network of my own. Like, if you have money in your bank account, but you owe money in your credit card, you have zero network. Like, literally. Well, depending on the number, I don't want to, like, go into the math because that's too much. (laughs) But (laughs) um, depending on the number, like, okay, boom, perfect. If you have $1,000 in your check-ins account and you owe the bank $1,000, you have zero dollars. Yep, right. No, Mm -hmm. you have no money. Because the money that you spent on your credit card is not your own. That's fact. Right. So once you have to pay, spend that $1,000, it's clipped. Like, it's done. It's over. And, you know, I think that our generation is trying to unlearn some of those habits 
and some of those things that have really like taken a large toll on our popul on our on our people and on our population. But I still feel like for the buying power that we have, like talk about why it. Are we still broke. Talk about the buying power. Understand. Talk about it. I'm about to give y'all the numbers. Talk about okay. it. Okay, so, let's hear it. Black people, we make up about 13.2% of the population. Mm-hmm. But we have $1.3 trillion yep. in buying power. No. Nah. Like, we literally, <laughs> to go to the point that I was just speaking on beauty and um, grooming and self-care things. Mm-hmm. We spend about $573.6 million. Yep. These are statistics from 2018, by the way. Um, so obviously the numbers might have changed in the past couple of years. Um, only two years though. Even still, that's relevant, right? So only two years ago. So let me hear, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, seeing that we have such a large buying power, but we in our homes, literally, I believe that the average um, net worth of a black family is like a hundred times less than that yep. white family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yep. Like what? Yep. My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> now I actually respond to that. Um, so yeah, I used to have a conversation with my friend um, in college a lot about this particular topic. Like, how are we such a small population in this country, but we have such strong buying power? And I feel mm. like it's really because we've always been taught to consume, right? I feel like yeah. America has not really allowed yep. us to be entrepreneurial. It has not allowed us to build wealth. So if you don't get to do those things, and obviously you want to have something, what are you gonna do? You're gonna buy it. And mm-hmm. I really do feel, you, maybe you two can correct me on this, but even going back to your point, Lange, in regards to, you know, we want to feel like we look well represented, like we take care of ourselves. And especially as black women, I won't speak for black men yet, but for black women, our hair is one of the most conscious things about us. Like yeah. our hair is like our pride, our joy, our sadness. There's a, a lot of emotional attachment to our hair. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like that already is the reason why we spend so much on it. Whether you want to, you know, 10 years ago, we was over here getting relaxers, getting perms, dropping bread every two weeks to basically damage our hair. Then fortunately, right. a whole wave came out of nowhere where it's like, Ehh! no, love yourself, love your hair, buy these natural hair products and embrace those curls. And that is a positive thing. I think that was more on the side of positive consumerism. But once again, it's like we just keep buying and buying. And then here's another issue, though. What happens is that because we've culturally embraced hair and, you know, perfume and smelling good and looking good as a thing for us, people might not like this comment, but I do feel as Black people on the entrepreneurial side and on the consumer side, we've been trapped in that space hence why half of what our buying power is goes directly to that like black people Mm -hmm. don't really get the investments and opportunities to build things like a google and a facebook and etc so we're not the entrepreneurs building those nor do we get the chance to really consume them because well most of those platforms are free (laughs) so and then just to kind of go back to why you said like yo like why are we still broke like I feel like the reality is, like I said, like, all we can do is just buy things. You want to look good. That's what means everything to us. I mean, I don't know about y'all middle school experiences, but it's like, if you didn't have the newest pair of Jordans and you were still wearing Reeboks, it's like, what are you doing? 
So peer pressure is also very strong because everybody. What are those? Yeah, literally. Yeah. What are those? Literally. I had to come in and say it. Literally, Yo, you had to. That's what they would say. Yeah. It's so crazy because I remember when people used to shit on New Balances, and now yeah. they be wearing it. Mm. Everybody want New Balances. They like all oh, these new colorways, all oh, these new whatever, and it's just like, bro. What? Champion too. Champion is another brand yep. that people never really used to be into. But now that you know what it is, those brands were able to remarket themselves That's right. in order to appease the black community. and by using black people and to market it. They, yes, mm-hmm. and once they did that, it shifted the entire perspective of the people who were wearing those brands. Because before Reebok Champion and some of these other brands were primarily worn by white people. Yep. Yep. There was no culture attack. There was no vibe attack. Nope. Yeah. Cardi. They got a couple black people promoting their stuff. Yeah. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Cardi Cardi is like a Reebok rep. See? Wow. But wait though, but here's another issue though, right? You see how we just we acknowledge that these white brands were just regular whatever brands that no one cared about until your favorite celebrities hopped in and started promoting it. We're still broke because these celebrities are not going to wear your regular people from the hoods products and market it for free for them either. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm trying to say? It's like because they get a big bag from the white brands to market these things, it's not like they're out here doing favors and saying, yo, like, who's like the top 10 designers in the hood? I'm about to do a commercial with your brand for the love. You get me? I feel like that's yeah. why we're still broke because people who make it they're not really trying to do those quote-unquote favors. And it's not a favor. It's something that's really helping the mass of Black people. If you just got up and said, yo, I'm just going to bless by wearing your stuff, like, why not? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I actually... Sorry. <laughs> nah, I was going to bring up, like, this um, this meme. Was it? Is it a meme? I don't even know the definition of a meme at this point. <laughs> but there was this that's been circulated on Instagram that was talking about um, black businesses and people not wanting to purchase stuff from black businesses because they're so expensive. And it's sort of just like, I think that if we took the time, like because of how much buying power we have as black people, if we actually took the time to invest into these black businesses, we would flourish. Literally. As a community, okay? Let me tell you, because I think that systematically we have the power to prevent these companies from making money. Absolutely. I mean, I think we could essentially be screaming Black Lives Matter, right? Right, Mm -hmm. right. They would care less. They're like, no, we need to we need somebody on our PR our PR team that's going to deliver a bomb, a bomb statement. Because we need to make sure, yep, and we need to make sure that you know black people feel like they are supported by this brand because we need their money, yep, right, right. Gucci and all of them was probably looking at it like, dang, okay, like most of our sales come from black population or we deliver to predominantly minority areas, right, and Mm. it's sort of just like. I think that if we were really to sit down and plan and sit down and really configure a way to, and I don't want to sound like, you know, anti this country, but (laughs) really, if we wanted to overthrow 
a lot of the systemic injustices that we face, we could really plan and strategize and support Black businesses yep. and other businesses and instead of giving our money to these big corporations and these people that are that lack cultural sensitivity yep. and quite frankly don't care about anything except for our money. Our money. Yep. Right. And you know what I just thought about? Actually, something that, you know, something you said kind of made me think of this thought is, you know, when I think about my budget and I think about how much money I spend and I allocate to clothing, you know what I really thought about? We can support black businesses. And I'm going to tell y'all exactly how y'all going to do it. This is how y'all going to do it. I hope somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know what? I might actually try that. That budget that you give yourself on a monthly basis or whatever it is to spend on hair products, clothing, leisure activities, you may not be able to buy as many items Mm -hmm. as you would if you spent that money on some company such as Fashion Nova. Because, you know, you might have a $200 budget. You go on Fashion Nova. You may get about five to ten items. That $200 may only give you about three items from a black business. But that three items is worth the investment. Mm-hmm. And I always want to emphasize the fact that clothing, yes, it is a necessity in the sense that you do need to wear clothes because it's not socially acceptable to be outside <laughs> naked. And you also can end up on the sex That's offender registry if you do that. So please know that information. But on the other hand, if you already have a whole bunch of clothes in the closet, it's not a necessity. It's a want and not a need. Mm-hmm. So realign your wants to support your communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if I say I love us, I want us to build, I want us to grow, I want us to have wealth, I have to put my, my money is. where my mouth is. When we talk about the government and we talk about you know what the government cares about when you look at their budget. They spend trillions of dollars on the military, yep. billions of dollars on the police yep. force. So mm-hmm. clearly you can see where their priorities yep. lie. So if you as an individual, your money is speaking to white people, to supporting them, I'm not saying you have to cancel every single company. That's but limits. But what I'm saying is deliver. Yep. Give to your community. Mm-hmm. Yep. Literally, the black dollar only ends in our community for six Compared to what? Compared to 17 days in the white community, 20 days in the Jewish community, and 30 days. That's an entire month in the Asian community. And you know what, too? I'm going to come back on that also real quick. Because I feel like what people could also acknowledge to make them feel, I guess, obligated and willing and appreciative of, you know, buying for black businesses. Think about who's employed by a black person who owns a business. Black people, right? Like, that's usually the case. Think about who's employed by Fashion Nova what the influencers who wear their clothes who are all like women of color because they want your money i mean like if you think about who's on their corporate level it's definitely not people who look like us so i feel like if you really want to see more money being circulated in your community support businesses that actually have no problem hiring black people when corporations Mm -hmm. make it seem like it's so hard but we know it's not that hard i also think that with that juju to kind of add on to your Mm -hmm. point it's sort of just like these black businesses Yes, their products are more expensive, but quite frankly, like even just seeing recently on social media, people are talking about like prison labor and people are talking about like these injustices that are happening with factory workers Mm -hmm. and such. 
And it's like most of the time, these are people of color as well. And so I think that if you're going to speak out against prison labor and you're going to speak out against factory workers making 30 cents, if that an hour to make all the stuff that you're wearing you need to put your money where your mouth is and buy the in these black businesses support these black businesses because quite frankly these people are sitting down for hours sewing hand sewing your stuff and that's why they have to charge more like when i think about my brother it's sort of just like he don't he don't have a sweatshop to be like yo all right i could lower my price and sell this for 30 dollars because I'm only paying these people 15 cents an hour yep. and right. I can still make a profit charging you $30 for it. No, he got to go to the fabric store, buy the fabric, and then got to sit there for the four or five hours that it take him to make your yep. hoodie. So when he charge you $150 for the hoodie, you can't sit here and be like, nah, I'm going to go buy this from this other place instead because he just sat here and he got to pay himself. You want him to do it for right. free? Oh, talk about that yeah. too, though. About how everybody, oh, yes. you want to do it before you I do want... it. Go ahead, Zoe. Finish that. Like, what? Like, I don't, like, no, that really baffles me, y'all. Like, it really just drives me insane because when you think about you're paying these corporations so that they can also pay their employees and pay these people 30 cents an hour. But when I'm cooking or yeah. when whoever is doing whatever they want to do and whatever hobby they have and what their passion and they're, they're them trying to be entrepreneurs and they have to pay themselves, y'all think that that's not... That's, yeah. that's a not in this friend group. No. We buy no. <laughs> and no. Because what? I'm about to sit here and when I sell my meals stand up in the kitchen for eight hours cooking and seasoning and prepping, still go to my full-time job, and you expect me to do all that for free? Right. No. And I think... Um, Minimum wage is $15 on- an hour, and I don't even pay yeah. myself $15 mm-hmm. an hour. So that's, that's really the crazy part. Because if these yep. black businesses was to chart, and I know majority of them do not pay themselves $15 they an don't. hour. If I, I, quite frankly, I make like about $5 an hour when I cook. Right. And so it's like for me to even be thinking about that, like I what? <laughs> I live in I yeah. live in a state where fifteen dollars an hour is the minimum wage and I'm paying myself five dollars an hour. Yeah. What? Yeah. Because I, I know if I have something expensive on my many people gonna be like, mm our food's too expensive. I'm not buying that. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually wanted to say something real quick on that too. Because I think not only is it, like, the expectation for free, but it's, like, people be always asking discounts. for discounts. Yo. But when you go to the, when you go to, let's talk about, yo, I have the perfect example. Have y'all ever seen an Apple? Have you ever seen Apple ever put anything nope. on sale? No. Apple is never and on if you sale. Ask for it, well, if you, it you. well, if you go, if you go through Best Buy, sometimes it okay. is. But yeah, I mean, the actual brand itself, you will never go on the Apple website and see that they have a and sale. actually, real quick, on that, right. unless it's like a so you have, see how you said that Best Buy sells it for like on sale or whatever. Also, remember that when mm-hmm. we as consumers buy it, we buy it by the piece. Those third parties, they buy them in bulk and wholesale and end up yep. spending less yep. per yes. item so they can put it on sale. Yep, and exactly. that's exactly that's how Dollar Tree and all those places work. Yeah. Exactly. So the point I was trying to make is that Apple as a brand, they see value in their yep. product. They mm-hmm. know no matter what price, 
we sell this item for, people are going yep. to buy it. Period. Yep. But yet, we have the assumption that we're going to go to a friend or we're going to go to a black business and just because they look like us, that they somehow yep. owe us like a discount. Right. And right. I just wanted to say to that, like at the end of the day, I understand that, you know, there is still a lot of the black community that is living yep. in poverty. I wanted mm-hmm. to actually um, like fix one of the statements I had said earlier because I had said that the net worth of a white family versus a black family was a hundred times different. It's actually 10. I really tweaked. Sorry. I wanted to correct <laughs> that. But even still, but even still with that 10, with that 10 still times wrong. difference, right? In 2016, the net worth of a white family was about $171,000. $171,000. Yes. Sorry. I'm trying to make sure I said the number right. Versus a black family being $17,000. So there's still a lot of black people who are in poverty who don't have the opportunity to have some of these like quote unquote more luxury items or they don't have the capability to spend $60 on a shirt. But I'm talking about this fresh out of college graduates who are now working their full time jobs who are making salaries, who are making enough money to now support your community. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the means and the capability to do that, we're not speaking about you. I don't want to make it seem like we're just trying to make a blanket statement about all Black people. We're just making a statement about if you have the capability, the privilege, and the amount of money in your wallet to now support your own and not like literally yep. just do it because if you really think about it we're we're never going to be able to create for our own for our families money is not just supporting businesses that's political yep. power i was talking to someone today about candidates who run for president right let's think about some of the reasons why barack obama was um the first black president it's not only because the country actually nope. believed in him he also had the social yep. capital that allowed him to have the financial means to That's run correct. for president it is expensive to run a presidential mm-hmm. campaign and not only a presidential campaign but to run for a state senator to run yep. for a governor to run for a, even a city council member you have to have money right. to do it so if our community doesn't even have enough money to literally eat. What do you think is going to end up happening when our legislators don't have enough money to put up ads on social yep. media? How are they going to get the word out? How are they going to educate more people about what they're offering? How are they going to get more schools? How are they going to speak on your behalf when they don't even have money to travel across their districts? Like, those are things that we need to be thinking about. Like, we got to think bigger than creating fashion brands. I need every black neighborhood to have a black corner store. I need every black neighborhood to have a black owned liquor store. Like we are consuming in all of these products and all of these different things, but we don't own any of it. When people were talking about how Fordham and some of those neighborhoods in the Bronx were taken advantage of during the looting that was happening, let's really think about it. How much of that is actually owned by black people? You live there, but you don't own that property. It doesn't belong to you. So we need to start thinking about this mindset of 
let's start owning. Let's really take back our community. Let's let's yep. buy it out. Like I'm just so passionate about this. And also the, and also diversify <laughs> your entrepreneurial endeavors. Like I always tell, like yes, for me personally, like you mentioned before, like nothing's wrong with beauty and grooming. Nothing is wrong with creating a mom and dad shop in your local neighborhood. But let's say your world is corporate. Let's say your world is startup. Like why don't you start thinking about platforms that you can create to solve those unicorn startup and fortune 500 companies problems because that is your world you feel me like i said even though we may not have been able to create the google and the facebook's of the world doesn't mean that we can't keep striving to build those because the reality is those are sustainable businesses when you get the right people to invest in your products so also it's important to realize like hey listen if you're not someone who's entrepreneurial if you're not someone who's necessarily into like clothes all the time or beauty stuff all the time if you do hear that there's someone in your neighborhood trying to create a product that can transform people's lives and their businesses, ask like, yo, how can I either invest so you can get a return or how you can just give them money to, you know, give them a head start in their platforms? Yeah, definitely. I feel like this was really just a full conversation about, you know, Black wealth and what it looks like and I know we, t we we talked a lot about just the situation, but we didn't necessarily give tips yeah. or takeaways. But I got mm -hmm. some for y'all. You know I got to leave y'all with some things to take away. So these things were mentioned a little bit, but one of the takeaways is, you know, for the Black community, we as a collective need to unlearn some of our poor financial Correct. habits. If you were listening to this episode and, you know, maybe there were things that we brought up and you were like, you know what, that might be me. Like, I do think I'd be spending more money. So definitely think about how you can work on your financial habits. Also, you want to spend more money within your own community. Like, you want to give to Black people. You want to support Black people. You want to give to the Black dollar. Because at the end of the day, we have to give to ourselves. Last but not least, restructure where your money is going. Really think about the purchases that you're making. And is it a necessity or is it a luxury? There's no problem with having luxurious items. But always be aware of what's going to happen in the future. Don't only concern yourself with what you have right now. Because at the end of the day, generational wealth has to start yep. somewhere. But if you're only focused on what you have in your pockets today and not what's going to be in it tomorrow, next year's, or the years to come, it's going to be very hard to build some generational wealth. And last but definitely not least, our takeaway questions for you all to really think about and reflect on this week is, what are the areas that you can spend mm -hmm. less and how can you invest more into your own community? Period. Period, point blank. We hope that you guys learned from us, that you guys heard some good news, and that you feel motivated to now look into yourself and look into your community mm -hmm. to discover what are the ways you can just do better and be better so that we as a collective can do better and be better. I love you all. We love y'all. Peace out. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>